Thanks for joining us for this week's message. At First Baptist, we exist to love God, love people, and make disciples. We hope you find yourselves blessed, challenged, and encouraged by this week's message. And for more information, you can follow us on social media or visit us at fbcrockhill.org. Good morning and Happy New Year. Has it gotten off to a good start? I want to say thank you to our band and praise team. Hunter and his wife are on a cruise, I think it is, this, this week. But I always appreciate these uh, faithful volunteers and servants who help us worship the Lord. Would you say thank you to them for me, please? If you were here last Sunday, you heard me uh, introduce our theme for 2024, which you see on these banners, that Jesus is too good to keep to ourselves. And we're going to talk a lot about that this year. Jesus is too good to keep to ourselves. Can you say that with me? Let's do it again. Now let's personalize it. Jesus is too good to keep to myself. Again. See, I know all of us have people we care about, we love, who are far from God. Maybe it's a relative, neighbors, work associates, classmates, and we care about them, they're friends, but they don't know Jesus. And we would love to see them come to faith in Christ, to be forgiven, to be saved, and walking with Jesus. I'm confident that everybody in this room knows people who maybe made a decision to follow Jesus in the past. Was it real or not? We don't know, but they made a decision. But for whatever reason, they're not walking with God today. They are either backslidden or they're kind of stuck in the mud, stuck in neutral. And we'd love to see them on fire for Jesus and growing and, and uh, learning. And, and let's be honest, most of us would like to be bolder than we are in our own lives when it comes to witnessing and inviting people to church. And the truth is we need God if any of that is going to happen. We can't do it on our own. And that's the reason we're beginning this new year, January, with a focus on fasting and praying. Spending this whole month with a focus on fasting and praying. And I recognize that for many of you in this room, the concept of fasting is new, different. And we don't mean you know, dieting because there's a lot in culture today about intermittent fasting and what they're talking about is just different ways of eating and dieting and being healthy. We're talking about spiritual fasting, which is so much more than just not eating food for a period of time. And, and so I know this is a new thing for some of you. And for others of you, you've tried it and it's been a struggle. I want to help you with that. And, uh, and some of you say, okay, I know Christians fast, but why? What's the value of it? Does it really matter? So I want to do some teaching on fasting today. I know there's a lot of different ideas, a lot of, a lot of misunderstandings and confusion. I was reading the other day about a woman in Russia. She was a, she's a member of the Russian Orthodox Church. So she's a Christian. And, and, and for the last 16 years, she had uh, faithfully participated in Lent. Now, Lent, we know which is, is a form of fasting leading up to Easter that some churches do. And, and in the Orthodox Church, it's a lot more strict than in the Catholic Church, which you hear about here in the States a lot. In Catholicism, when you fast, you give up something. You give up a certain food item, whatever it is. Uh, 
the, the days leading up to Easter, but you get the weekends off. So if for Lent you're fasting cheeseburgers, well, on the weekend you can eat a cheeseburger. Now, in the Orthodox Church, it's very different. It's more strict. The whole six weeks, pretty much, of Lent, you, 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 you give up all meat, all dairy products, no eggs, no fish, and certain kinds of oil you cannot use when you're cooking. So it's a lot more strict, and you don't get the weekends off. It's the whole time. And so, so 16, 16 years, this lady, she had, she had faithfully participated in that kind of fast for Lent over there in Russia. And, and so it's the, she's about four weeks into the new year, okay? About four weeks into the fast to Lent. And one day she's out, she sees this beautiful banner, this beautiful enticing advertisement from McDonald's for cheeseburgers and chicken nuggets. Now, if you don't think you can ever have a craving for McDonald's, my first trip to England with a mission team a number of years ago, we got caught over there because a volcano, I think it was in Iceland, erupted, and so we got stuck. You, you and Bev, you were with us. We were there for, and, and listen, when you travel to Europe to eat good food, you don't think of England. And near the end of our trip, we saw McDonald's. <laughs> I had, listen, we were never so excited to see a McDonald's in our lives as we were that day. See, he was amen in me. It was good. Haven't had a craving for one since, but I did that day. Uh, but anyway, she sees this advertisement, cheeseburgers and chicken nuggets. And she goes to McDonald's, eats a cheeseburger. She said, I couldn't help myself. Then, this is true, she turned around and sued McDonald's for breaking her fast. <laughs> now, I, I don't know what your experience with fasting has been, okay? But I'm asking you for the next few minutes to just lay aside any of your reasons or excuses for not fasting just, just put all that over on the side. And, and for the next few minutes, I'm asking you to be open to what God might teach you today. To be open to what God might inspire you to do today. To just be open. And, and I'm asking you to lay aside your fear your fear of failure, your fear of the unknown. Just lay that fear aside for a moment. There was, there was a, a church having a focus on fasting like we're doing and they've been teaching on it. Young family in the church, little five-year-old girl, daughter, she, she heard the teaching. So she knew that fasting meant you don't eat food. And she also understood, she was a smart girl, that you have to eat to live. So she had questions about all this. And one day, the dad announced to the family he was going to fast. And when he did, she said, no, daddy, don't do it. You'll die. Because she knew you're supposed to eat. So he sat down with her and, you know, lovingly explained to her that in the Bible, there were many men and women who fasted. Great men and women of God who fasted. And she's smart and she thought for a little bit. And she said, yes, and they all died. I don't know what your fear is, what your hesitation. 
You won't die, okay? I promise you, you won't die. So just lay all that aside and be open. So I want to do some teaching. If you would, take your Bible and open it with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. Many people in the Bible fasted. Did spiritual, what we call spiritual fasting, including Jesus. In fact, Jesus, listen to this. Jesus fasted 40 days on one occasion. Um, after he was baptized and before he began his public ministry. I've only personally known one person who fasted 40 days, one of my mentors. Jesus fasted 40 days. But what's interesting is his disciples did not fast. Jesus taught on fasting, but his disciples did not fast. And in contrast to that, the disciples of John the Baptist fasted. The Pharisees, that Jewish religious group, the Pharisees and their disciples fasted. In fact, the Pharisees fasted once every week. And one day they come to Jesus and they ask him, why are your disciples not fasting? Maybe that's you, you're not fasting. And I want you to see the conversation in Mark chapter two, starting at verse 18. Starting at verse 18. Let me see your copy of God's word. You have it with you? Come on, hold it up. Hold it up. Amen. Amen. By the way, as the weeks go by, I'm seeing more and more Bibles. Praise God. All right, Mark chapter two, verse 18. John's disciples, John the Baptist, his disciples, and the Pharisees were fasting. And they came and said to him, they came to Jesus and they asked Jesus, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Why is that, Jesus? And he answered them in verse 19. Jesus said to them, while the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot fast, can they? So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Now, how many of you, how many of you have ever uh, gone to a wedding and after the wedding they said, instead of having a reception with food today, we're going to go fasting? Just don't do that at a wedding. There's food, right? And, and, and in the Bible, Jesus is the bridegroom and you and I as his people, as the church, we are the bride. We are called the, the bride of Christ. And he's saying while he was with, with his disciples for that three plus years on earth, while he was with them, there was no reason for them to fast because he was with them. Now verse 20, but the days will come, Jesus said, when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast in that day, referring to the day that was coming when he would be crucified, buried, and raised from the dead, and, and, and then ascend into heaven. And once he ascended back to the Father and was taken away, he said, in that day, when that day comes, then my followers, my children, my people, my disciples, in that day, they will fast. That's us. his followers, his disciples. We will fast. And I want to show you two examples from the book of Acts in the early church of Jesus' followers fasting. And then I want to give you some practical helps, how-tos and so on, and what it looks like 
to fast. So turn over in your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 13. Chapter 13, this is in, in the city of Antioch, which is north of Israel in the southern part of Syria. And this is a great church, great church. And I want you to see what we learn about this great church in the opening three verses of chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. <clears throat> now, there were in Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers. And then it names them, Barnabas, and Simeon, and, and, and at the end, Saul, that's his, his Hebrew name. We know him better by his, his Roman name is uh, Paul. They had these different teachers. The, think of this as their church staff these different pastors. And Paul and Barnabas were two of their church staff. And in verse two, while they were ministering to the Lord, while they were doing the ministry of the church and they were fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work to which I have called them. And then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, ordained them, commissioned them as missionaries, they sent them away. Now, a couple of things I want you to see from that passage. Here's the first one. Fasting and praying are foundational to the Christian life and Christian ministry. Fasting and praying are foundational to the Christian life and Christian ministry. In verse two, I want you to notice before the Holy Spirit ever told them to take Paul and Barnabas, who were a part of their teaching staff at that church, and, 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 and the Holy Spirit said, they are to leave this church because I'm going to send them away, send them out to plant new churches in new places as missionaries. Before the Holy Spirit ever did that, in the first part of verse 2, they were ministering to the Lord and fasting. Part of their ongoing ministry as a church was fasting. It was part of their DNA, their culture. And this was a great church. In fact, I consider the church at Antioch the greatest church in the New Testament. It was a fast-growing church, a lot of people being saved and baptized. It was the first church that took the gospel to Gentiles and integrated as a church Jews and Gentiles who became believers in Jesus. The church in Jerusalem was all people of Jewish background who became believers. It's this church in Antioch that went out, that, that broke down those barriers and said Gentiles can know Jesus. And it became a church for Jews and Gentiles who became followers of Jesus. This great church was the first one to send out missionaries to other parts of the Roman world, other parts of the Gentile world. This was a great church. And what I want you to see is that ministering to the Lord, their ongoing ministry to the Lord included fasting. And so the first lesson for us is that fasting and praying are foundational to Christian living and Christian ministry. Second lesson, fasting and praying are foundational to our ministry efforts, to doing new things, to taking initiatives to, to trying, trying to accomplish something significant for God. 
Because you'll notice in verse two, they were ministering to the God, to God and fasting. And then as they were doing that, they were in a position to hear from God. And so the Holy Spirit said to them, take these two men on your pastoral staff, Paul and Barnabas, and I want them to resign from your church staff because I'm sending them out as missionaries. And they obeyed God. They laid hands on them. They commissioned these two men to be the first great missionaries of the church. But notice, when they commissioned them, they did it with prayer and fasting. They had a special time of praying and fasting before they ever sent Paul and Barnabas out on this new effort. And listen, sending people out intentionally as missionaries was brand new. And we want to see God do great things in 2024. You, you want God to do something new in your life? Then seek him by praying and seek him by fasting in our Bible reading plan. And by the way, for those of you who are relatively new to us, we have a Bible reading plan here where we read five chapters of God's word a week, two days off so you can catch up. So five chapters a week. Just get you a notebook, a journal, and, and as you read the chapter that day, write in it what God said to you, what you learned. You got a question? Write a question and then ask somebody. And every day at 4 a.m., a video or an audio podcast where I talk for five to 12 minutes about what God said to me in that chapter is released on all of our media platforms and then you can watch or listen to that. And these reading plans for 2024 are in the back. You see those blue banners that say D groups. On the table in front of those banners, this is a bookmark that has six months of the reading plan. This is a bifold that has the whole year on it. Pick you up a copy of the reading plan, begin reading God's word with us. So I just wanted to put that, uh, that, that plug in for the, for the reading plan. But this past week, we were reading Esther, right? How many of you read Esther this past week? Amen. Praise God. And you remember, she had a dangerous job that, that the outcome would be either the Jews in Persia would be exterminated or live. And, and her life was at risk. Remember that? Before going to the king to try to save her people, what did she do? Yes, and not just her. She asked all the Jews in Persia to spend three days fasting and praying for her before she went to the king to save their life. Before trying something that God needed her to do, she knew how important it was for fasting and praying to take place. Later this month in our reading plan, you will read the book of Ezra in the Old Testament. Ezra was a scribe, meaning he was an expert in the Jewish law of the Old Testament. He spent his life studying it, trying to live by it, and teach his fellow Jews the Old Testament law. And like Esther, he was a slave in Persia. He lived a few years after her. You remember that in 587 BC, the Babylonians destroyed Judah and Jerusalem and carried the majority of the population as slaves to Babylon and then Persia conquered Babylon. And now it's a century later and, 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 and Persia allows the Jews to go back home, but by then it's just the descendants and some of them do go back to the promised land, but most of them stay in Persia. 
and Babylon and those other places. And here comes Ezra, this man of God, and God speaks to his heart and, and leads Ezra to, take, to lead a group of, of Jews back to the promised land, back to Jerusalem. Think of it like in the 1940s and 1950s when Israel was reestablished as a nation in the Middle East. And you might have a group of Jews someplace in Russia or somewhere else in Eastern Europe. And they, and they say, we're going to the promised land. And they move to Israel, even though they've never lived there, but it's their ancestral home. And so Ezra's leading a group of Jews back to their ancestral home in Jerusalem. And it's a dangerous journey because they're just slaves given permission to move from here to there. And there's no army going to go with them to protect them. To get home, they had to travel through other countries. And it's dangerous, they're at risk. And so when they gather together, and there's a few thousand of them, before they begin that march back to Jerusalem, Ezra does something. I want you to notice this. Go to the next slide quickly, please. The one about Ezra. There we go. Here's what he does in verse 21. Ezra said, then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava. And that's probably one of the canals from the main river that led into the, the city that no longer exists. So he proclaimed a fast that we might humble ourselves before God. Notice that because that's one of the principles of fasting is a way for us to humble ourselves before God to seek, to seek from God, to seek him. See, fasting, spiritual fasting is not just going without food. It's doing it for a purpose to seek him. And what, what Ezra was, was seeking God about when, when they had that fasting was for a safe journey. Why? Because it's dangerous. They, 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 no army. They can't protect themselves from other armies. So for God to give us a safe journey for us, our little ones, our kids, and all our possessions. And then in verse 23, we fasted and we sought our God. And, and guess what? Uh, he answered it. He heard us and he, he answered our prayer. So what's, what's the first two points about fasting? It's foundational to Christian living and Christian ministry. And, and it's foundational for doing anything important, significant, for God. It's, it's foundational to, 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 to ministry efforts, ministry initiatives. It's seeking God. Now, one last passage and one last lesson, and I'll get to the practical stuff. Turn over to chapter 14 in Acts. You're in chapter 13, next chapter, chapter 14. Because what you have is in, in, in chapters 13 and 14, Paul and Barnabas spend a little over three years as missionaries planting several new churches in new cities in what today would be kind of south central turkey and the bible is asia minor pamphylia and other places and but but it's, it would be turkey today then they return to antioch and then go out as missionaries again but on this first missionary journey chapters 13 and 14 when you get to the end of the chapter there's a summary statement a summary statement about the work. In chapter 14, verse 23, verse 23, when, when they, Paul and Barnabas, had appointed elders, pastors, for them in every church. So all these new churches they started as missionaries, they appointed pastors in those churches. And then it says when they did that, having prayed with fasting, having prayed 
with fasting. They commended them, they commissioned them to the Lord. So here, these new churches, these new pastors, they pray and fast as they appoint these new pastors. Here's the third point I want you to see is that fasting and praying is foundational in ministry leadership. Whether it's me as a pastor, preacher, you as a D group leader, a life group leader, a member of the worship team, leading, just as an example, leading people in worship, you should be seeking, any worship team member, any band member should be seeking God in prayer and occasionally fasting, seeking God so you're prepared, equipped to lead the people in whatever we do. Can you imagine me preaching and never praying? Not fasting, not seeking God? Whatever our ministry is, praying's part of it. And fasting from time to time needs to also be part, part, uh, part of it. So, let me give you some principles of what fasting is. Now, on your chairs was a, a, a handout, an eight and a half by 11 white sheet of paper similar to what was last week we've got some new stuff on at the bottom of the front side opposite the calendar at the bottom there's a place for you to take some notes and if there's not one in your seat there's others nearby grab one um i want to share with you some principles some basic truths about spiritual fasting about christian fasting i hope you'll jot these down number one fasting is not a ritual Instead, it is a genuine pursuit of God. A genuine heartfelt pursuit of God. You saw that in the verses. We will seek the Lord. Over here on the wall, these banners, we exist as a church to love God, love people, and make disciples. And loving God means that I choose to pursue God. I want to draw closer to God. And so fasting is something we do from time to time to help us pursue God. Number two, it is a conscious choice, a conscious decision to direct my focus to God because life is filled with distractions. Isn't it amazing how something as simple as an iPhone or a pad becomes a distraction? Have you ever found yourself scrolling through TikTok or Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, and all of a sudden you looked up and 45 minutes or an hour's gone by and you didn't know it? Yeah, most of you, yes, 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 yes. You ever found yourself sitting in the recliner on the couch watching television and not too excited about anything, but you channel surfing, you channel surfing, you channel surfing, you channel surfing, and the next thing you know, an hour's gone and you haven't watched anything. And fasting is something, so fasting at times is something we do to say, for this day or whatever, for this moment, for this time period, I'm intentionally choosing to focus my attention on God. That's what fasting is intended to help us do. Number three, fasting is an act of humility and submission. You saw that in the, we humbled ourselves before God. His Lordship, a way to humble ourselves. 
Fasting is me denying myself, you denying yourself something you want. Those bodily cravings, those, that, that appetite, those desires. Because there's something else you want more. You die, deny yourself a cheeseburger that day because as much as you want that burger, you want to see so-and-so saved even more. And so for that day, you fast and pray for so-and-so to be saved, for so-and-so to get back right with God, for so-and-so's marriage to be put back together, for you to begin growing as a Christian, for you to overcome that besetting sin in your life because there's something you want more than you want that pizza. It's denying your cravings yourself. And, and by the way, throughout the day when you fast and you, you feel those hunger pains, they're not hunger pains, okay? That's what we call them, but they're not. But when you feel that, what is that? That is to remind you to pray about whatever you're focusing on that day. So you start the day off, the morning off with prayer and, 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 and God, I'm praying today that I will be more bold in witness and I'm praying for my growth. And, 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 and you can have, but, but you gotta have a focus for why you're fasting, whatever it is. And then every time you feel that, that desire to eat, turn your attention to God. Let that be the prompt, the reminder to turn your attention to God and pray about that particular thing. That's one of the, that's, that's how you do it. Okay. Um, Fasting is you expressing a strong desire for God to do something that you can't do on your own. You need him to do it. Fasting is me telling God, God, I recognize I am dependent on you. It's me saying, God, I need your help. I need your power. I need your intervention. I need your protection. I need your blessing. I need your favor. I need your forgiveness. I need your healing. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance, whatever it is. God, I'm dependent on you. I need this because I can't do it. I need you, God. And let's be honest. I can't save a single soul, can you? I can't cause a single person to start growing in Jesus, can you? I can't put somebody's marriage back together, can you? But God can. And that's why we fast and pray seeking God and it helps us here remember they in Antioch were fasting and praying when they said hey we, I want Paul and Barnabas to be missionaries it helps you hear God now so what are we asking you to do get real practical I'm asking you to choose one day each week this month started last week so five weeks got four counting this coming week and you fast one day each week this month doesn't have to be the same day each week. That's why the calendar is on that handout. You might do it on a Tuesday one week and a Thursday another week. Now, how long do you fast? I've got to tell you, we're encouraging to consider fasting for a day, 24 hours. Now, that's what I will do this week. Last week, I did not do that. What I did this past week was I fasted breakfast and lunch four days in a row. Okay, breakfast and lunch, four days in a row. We are not Pharisees, we are not legalists. I trust the Holy Spirit to inspire you and guide you as to how you are to fast. Now, if you have a medical issue, I'm not asking you to not eat if you're a diabetic, okay? So that caveat. But 
I'm asking you to find a way. How does God want you to fast? And at the bottom of that sheet are, are, are some, some purposes, five focuses for the fast. And, I, and I'm not, you can fast for one of those a week. I'm fasting for all five of them each time I fast. I'm fasting for me to grow as a Christian this coming year. I'm fasting and praying for me to be bolder and witnessing for Jesus this year. I'm fasting and praying for you to grow. Remember, part of our vision here at this church is that every person in this room be able to spiritually feed yourself. I want you to be able to pick up the Bible, read it, and let God feed you, speak to you. I'm, I want you to hear me preach. I want you to be in groups and be taught, but I want you to, to be able to interact with God through his word on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And I'm fasting for you to grow. I'm fasting and praying for you to be bolder and witnessing. I'm fasting and praying we see more people saved this coming year than ever before. And I think those are good things to fast and pray about, don't you? And I would love it if you would fast and pray for me to grow and for me to be a better witness for Jesus as well as for yourself and for others in this church. Those are good things to fast about and pray about. And, and, and so however God leads you to do it, do something. And I, I know some of you are afraid. You, you say, Pastor, I tried it and it's a struggle. How many of you skint your knee when you were running to ride, learning to, to ride a bicycle? Anybody? Okay, you may struggle the first few times you try to fast. That's okay. Do you know what? God loves you and it's okay. How do we learn to do something? By doing it again and again and again. And there's very few things in life I've learned how to do without struggling the first few times I did them, Right? that's the reason we're taking a month hopefully after doing this four or five times you start learning and getting more comfortable maybe start off with a, a half day fast and build up to a full day the spirit the spirit of god will tell you how to do that i don't have to tell you how he, he i trust him and i trust you i just want you to do something to seek god and to seek God for your growth and for people to be saved you know and care about and for you to be bold as a witness for jesus To seek God and pray for people by name you know who are not walking with God. Just to seek God. Because, listen, why would we ever try to do the work of God without God? Why would we ever try to do it alone? Isn't it? It's, I mean, we can do some, but God can do so much more in our lives and in our church. So, I'm asking you to join us. And none of us are going to do it perfectly. That's okay. We'll do it perfectly when we're in heaven. But we're going to do something. Because doing something, even if it's not perfect, is better than doing nothing. So I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm inviting you to join us and do something. Will you do that? What day this week will you fast? What day next week will you fast? What? How will you do it? Just... Do something. So I want us to stand. The team's going to lead us in singing as we worship Jesus. And at the start of this message, I ask you to be open to what God might teach you, what God might inspire you to do. I want to encourage you to 
consider coming down to the altar and get on your, on your knees and saying, God, I feel you're asking me to do such and such, and so I'm committing to do it. And ask the Lord for his help. Humble yourself and ask for his help. Pastors are here, Cole on this side, Grant over here. If you need to join First Baptist Church or ask for baptism, come to one of them and tell them. Most importantly of all, if you need to become a follower of Jesus, you've never committed your life to him. And, and see, to seek God in living starts with you seeking him for salvation. So come to one of these and say, I need Jesus and I need to be saved because Jesus sought you. That's why he left heaven and came to earth was to seek you, to look for you. Died on the cross to make salvation available to you. Come to one of these pastors and say, I want to be saved. And they'll pray with you as you commit your life to Jesus. Come to the altar. Come to a pastor. You come as we sing quickly. Start walking even now. Quickly, right now. Take the first step. Come on.